Traveling the Vortex. We've joined Harold Chorley as he searches for a seal in episode number 395. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. A seal that's lost its skin. <laughs> How are you guys? <laughs> I got bit by a spider overnight, so I what? went to the doctor today. Emergency clear at care clinic. What kind of doctor? What kind of spider? I don't know. <laughs> doctor. Well, it was an emergency care doctor, general practitioner. Um, Do you have I don't superpowers? know. It 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 happened overnight. It was, was it real small. Actually, it happened Sunday night overnight. We don't so. care. Do you have superpowers? Yeah. Can you climb walls? <laughs> Anyway, so how was your guys' oh, week? <laughs> what about what about the superpowers? No superpower. Oh, what a lame story! <laughs> I've been really thirsty. Is that a superpower? <laughs> I've been drinking water like crazy. Is that is that a sign? Um, what do you got? I don't know. I've just had hot flashes and like dizzy spells. Oh. But as far as I can tell, I'm not running a temperature or Should you go to the doctor. <laughs> Uh, yes, but for something completely related. I didn't get this until after I came back from the doctor. <laughs> I, think, I think they infected me. Um, I'm just I'm wearing a bit thin. I'm waiting for the regeneration. To kick in. I watched uh, Rob Roy, the Highland Rogue, this week. It's an old Disney movie from hmm. the 1950s, and um, I'm following along with another podcast who's reviewing all of the Disney films all the way back from Snow White and the Seventh Dwarfs on, and this was this week's, and I liked it. It was really good. I started Highly listening to a new podcast. What'd you start listening to? Everything is Alive. Oh, <laughs> okay. What is that? It is an interview show with inanimate objects. <laughs> <laughs> so the first episode is with Doug, a can of cola. He's a not. He's a store brand cola. He <laughs> describes himself he? as he. So they're gender specific. They're gender specific. Okay. Uh, and he describes himself as safely bottom shelf. Because that's often where you'll find him. <laughs> it's a really this funny. This weird. It's really, <laughs> really funny. It's quite enjoyable. Did you guys watch anything? I watched uh, Christopher Robin. <gasps> Christopher Robin. Oh, how was it? It was really good. I want to see that. So do I. It. Um, I'm gonna. It, it. It's not as much fun kid adventure movie as say Paddington or or, or one of those, but for us old guys. Um, the nostalgia, uh, just, you know, comes out and beats you over the head with it. It's, it's, it's just a very sweet little story. I knocked out two more episodes of, uh, Toys That Made Us, speaking of. Well, did the, you finish up then? Finish, uh, I watched the Transformers and the Lego. I haven't finished oh. Hello Kitty yet. Okay. Yeah, the Lego one was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Especially coming back to the one guy saying, what was the... The system. Yeah, the system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do those so well. I'm looking forward to another season. Yeah. Anything else? Cool, let's move on to news. We have a lot of news, and we're going to start with some sad news. Michael Pickwode has passed away, and he is the man who, uh, behind the look of the show for the last seven years, he designed Peter Capaldi's TARDIS interior. He designed uh, Matt Smith. Matt Smith. <laughs> the, oh, the initial Matt Smith, too? No, not the... I don't think it was the first one. It was the second one, the dual column. Yeah, the one that yeah. became Peter's. Yeah. Yes, yes. The split level. The, one the split that's more level. Peter's he was the first one. The one that's more Peter level. than Matt. Well, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, he's been with it since the snowman. Right. So, yeah, yeah, but I think that was his first. So, 
I had no idea who this guy was. And I saw everybody posting about it, you know, condolences to the family and everything. And I was like, what in the world? And I, I looked it up, didn't realize how much of an impact he had on the yeah. design of the show. So one of the first films he worked on was With Nail and I. Really? Yeah. I didn't read that. Well, because we watched it, it was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the son of an actor from who was in the War Games. Oh. So Lots deep, of Doctor Who connections. Doctor Who connections. Deep, yeah. deep Doctor Who connections. Very cool. Yeah. Well, thoughts, prayers, and meditations out to his family. So the first episode he oversaw the production was Christmas Carol. Ah. But so he did get the chance to design an interior. Let's move on to some happy news where they have announced the writers and directors for Series 11. Do I know any of them? I don't know. Do you? Well, who are they? Mallory, here are the writers. Mallory Blackman. Ed Heim. You don't have to pause for effect. You can just read through them. I, I, I have to scroll down to <laughs> oh, get to oh, the next. Oh, it's not in a list. There's it's bios like, of each you. one. Okay. Vinny Patel, Pete McTine, and Joy Wilkinson. I thought maybe you were pausing for my reaction for each no, one. No, I would, uh, I'm, I'm scrolling. Because right now it's no, 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 nope. no, no. <laughs> her, her episode of Broadchurch was fantastic. I don't know why you don't know who these people are. So these are all, obviously, all new people to write for the show. That's pretty good. And just as a reminder that that doesn't seem like enough people to write a whole season of a TV show, but they have shipped it to the writer's room as opposed to individual episodes by individual writers. Well, considering the... the, Is that official? The fact that there's no... That's something Chibnall said. Chibnall. 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 Oh, so I didn't... I thought when this list came out, I was like, oh, so they're not doing the writer's room thing. Because I'd never seen that it was confirmed that they were... I thought I read that, that it was confirmed. That Chibnall said that, yeah, this is where we're going with it, so, and that's why it's only in, five people. In but. this statement, it says, we have a team of writers who've been working quietly and secretly for a long time now. Well, and, and that's what usually writers room do, do, is they will all sit down and collaborate, write a story, and then one person from the group, and they will rotate as the uh, head writer. So, so we as, do we assume that Chibnall wrote, writes at least two episodes in the season, even though he's not listed? Could be, or do these guys have more than one? credit to them they don't say how many they're writing um are any of these guys brought over from uh broadchurch out of curiosity not that i see oh i could be wrong but i'm just skimming through the bios that are provided i don't see anything about broadchurch huh well what about uh, the directors do you have that list i do they have bios too i do have bios (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) I'm going to butcher some of these names. I ah, just throw them out there. Sally Appa- Sam like you know. Sally Appahamon. Hamian? No, don't. No, don't. No, go back. I missed, an, I missed the letter. Commit. I missed the letter. Commit. Jamie Childs. Well, that was easy. Jennifer Perot. Sure. Mark Tonderia. Ton, <laughs> Tonderai. Nope. Tonderai. You did it again. Don't. No. Tonderai. Commit. Commit. Keith. That's it. Oh. Four? Four. Huh. So do we assume maybe Chibnall directed... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Rachel Talalay. I don't, I don't recognize nope. any of those names. So, Did any of those come over from ch- church? Uh, church. No. Nope. Anybody else comes over from church? Broad church. No. Uh, not that I'm aware of, but Jamie Childs wrote the announce... Or directed the announcement of... Chris, of the... Jody Whittaker. Jody Whittaker. That <laughs> I almost said Christopher thing where she comes and takes off. <laughs> yeah, the, she direct, he directed that. Well, he his, or she. I love his work. 
And I don't see anything about Broadchurch again. So huh. they all talk about target. how much they love. That's church. They, they talk about how much they love? <laughs> how much they love Doctor Who. Oh, okay. They talk about how much they love. <laughs> well, they just love things in general. They just love things. Uh, the Mark guy has directed... <laughs> a- <laughs> Like that. Uh, the fear Lucifer. Of, fear of commitment. Yep. That's what we call it. And ep- uh, episodes of Lufus, Lucifer, Gotham, Black Lupus? Knight. Lufuser. Lufus. Ooh, I can't talk tonight. Are you sure you haven't had an illness this week as well? Were you bitten by a radioactive have. spider? Lucifer, Gotham, Black Lightning, and the Jennifer Lawrence thriller house at the end of the street oh this is one of the directors mm-hmm. oh cool the mark guy well he's good <laughs> he's I, you expect me to remember those names you couldn't pronounce the names let alone me remember them. <laughs> i've been following mark for years <laughs> the mark guy the mark guy that's his twitter handle. it should be now <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and the the other exciting thing is the amount of diversity in the casting, not only men but women and of minorities. Oh, good. In fact, it, Mallory Blackman is the, I believe, the very first minority woman writer for the show. Long time coming. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Yep. What else we got in the news? Well, on the heels of apparently the huge success of Tom Baker's first season on Blu-ray, we are getting. Peter Davison's first season on Blu-ray. So tell me about that. Was it huge? Did I they, don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> he just why, commit. <laughs> it's just going to commit to it. That, that's Keith why owns I it. Presumably <laughs> successful. Oh, presumably. presumably successful. Because they're doing another thing. If it wasn't successful. If Tom Baker's first season wasn't successful, nobody at BBC Worldwide went, well... Maybe let's try it with Peter. No offense, Peter. I have but, a feeling Peter was in the pipeline as soon as this is coming out after the Tom Baker. Yeah, one, so. I think so, too. Let's just hope all of them are successful. We just continue to get yeah. series of these. So, I do you guys wonder if it's just going to be a series of first seasons initially? Yeah, quite possibly. Um, it kind of makes sense. They can definitely do that for four, five, six. They can almost seven, do it for one. Eight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they can Nine. almost. They can almost do it for one. They can definitely do it for three because all of his have been restored. Yeah. Uh, In fact, one is actually native film, so yeah. it's already been on Blu-ray. Yeah, <laughs> In fact, I have that on Blu-ray. That's the only classic one I had on Blu-ray before Tom Ray. Tom Ray? Tom Ray. Tom Baker. I'm glad I'm not the only one struggling wow, here. Wow, yeah. Do you guys some, watch the... Do you have uh, a gas leak in the house? <laughs> do you have numb tongue? It's, it's late. It's what, the, <laughs> it's yeah. what it is. Do you guys watch the video? The Duvanka Airlines? Oh, yeah. Yes, that was fun. That was Very nicely done. done. So, of course, the first season, along with a whole bunch of bonus features, including more of the Behind the Sofa, which looks like it has all of them on the couch together, um, all of the main cast from the first season, which I think is going to be fantastic to watch. With that group. It'll be fun. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I love the fact that, um, <laughs> including Time Flight, which may be behind you, <laughs> like for as many clips as they pulled from time flight for that trailer but yeah we're still gonna dog on it yeah <laughs> so they only have to release three blu-rays for uh 
Davison because he only had three seasons, right? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Potentially four if they decide what they're going to do with the five doctors because it was released as a special and technically isn't part of well, one of the seasons. Well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I would just include I it bet as they, a I bet they the, added on there. Yeah. Lump it in yeah. one or the other. Whatever one they kind of need the five doctors added to. Yeah. I was to actually, you know, sales. I was very excited for Tom Baker on Blu ray. And I, I'm with you. I presume that that must have done well enough that this was a, you know, well, I, th- a I, given, but. I would imagine that pre-sales probably gave them the inkling that, oh, this might succeed yeah. then. Although, like I say, it could have been in the pipeline, but just to turn it so quickly. You know, that's... Well, and there are some... Oh, that's like, that's coming out in October or November? I can't remember. That what is they coming say. out in November, November in the UK. No US release date yet. Yeah, but they did the Tom Baker very near it. So yeah, hopefully that'll continue. Hopefully it won't be long. I'm a little bummed still at the packaging. The packaging on the UK releases is gorgeous and very cool and boxy well, the, and oh. fold out. And we get, eh, here's a plastic Blu-ray case. At least the you art's going to be the you same. You can order yours from the UK and they're region free. Yeah, but... <laughs> and we don't get this nice book. Yeah. There's a nice book in the UK version. Mm, yeah. I could care less about packaging. You know me. <laughs> Who has two thumbs and isn't you? <laughs> I like my packaging. What else we got? I'm I'm rushing you through this. So we news, got so much stuff. Yeah. Uh the Big Finish is continuing to celebrate their 20th anniversary of Doctor Who on audio. This is exciting. With a new uh series of stories called The Legacy of Time. It's billed as the biggest audio crossover event ever. It's going to be 6 hour long stories. And it's going to see characters from the entire history of the show crossing paths, some for the very first time. So it's classic and new series colliding. So six hour long. But I got to ask, we, we, it's, it does say the new and the classic series, but does that also include like maybe some stuff from Big Finish? I mean, because we've got Araman, we've got obviously Evelyn Smythe won't be able to. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, you know, we've got some of these characters, Hex, those people that have been created for specifically for uh, so Big Finish. One of, the, one of the big ones they're touting is Professor River Strong is meeting Professor Bernie Summerfield. Yay! Story. So it'll be some Big Finish yes. characters as well. That'll Kate Stewart travels back in time to Classic Unit and meets the Third Doctor, which is going to be voiced by Tim Trelor. Ah. And, of course, Joe Grant, who she knows in her present time. So she gets to meet a younger version of her. Uh, so there is also, uh, since 2019, is also the 30th anniversary of Remembrance of the Daleks. The countermeasure team will be reunited with the 7th Doctor and Ace. And the 6th Doctor and Sh- Charlie will once again meet Detective Inspector Patricia Menzies in a police procedural like no other, they say. Plus there's a visit to Gallifrey and elsewhere in the Time War. The Doctors will meet and there will be Easter eggs aplenty. So they are keeping some of the goodies under wraps. Very cool. It's a very, very smart move to do it in this manner, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little upset that it's not one six-hour story that just has everybody (laughs) together. Who knows? They might, uh, you know, intertwine. Yeah, but not at the same time. You never know. Time is collapsing. Incidents of temporal chaos and devastation are appearing throughout many of the lives of the Doctor and his friends fall out from one terrible disaster. 
The Doctor must save history itself, and he will need all the help he can get. Dun, dun, dun. That's the the box set synopsis. Very cool. And, of course, there's a whole lot of more details online if you want to go read it. That's exciting stuff. All right, what's next? What's next is... this next one, by the way. Spoilers, Glenn. I've already seen it. (laughs) December will see the release of Doctor Who Audio Annual, a collection of vintage stories from Terry Nation's Doctor... Terry Nation's Dalek Annuals of the 70s, read by stars of Doctor Who. Cool. Read by Nicholas Briggs, Louise Jameson, and Matthew Waterhouse. It's funny. You must have just stumbled across this recently. I did. Because they have already released some of the uh, Doctor Who audio annuals in the UK where they do the same thing. And they're actually uh, audio versions of some of the stories that were in the uh, annuals in the 1960s. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a... uh, there's the Doctor Who audio annual one, I think two. There's also a second Doctor one. Um, Great, more things to put on the schedule. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a, which yeah, and I saw this actually a few months back, and I thought, oh, I should bring that up. There's also a, a specific one that was released uh, for the Invasion from Space, which was a mm. first Doctor audio story. So it's something they've been doing, but this is the first time that they've actually delved into the Dalek annuals to oh, okay. uh, do something specific for that. So, so is Sarah Kingdom in this? No. So no uh, secret space. Not the, what was, not what the, was the uh, describes the SS uh, SSS? space security service. space security service. service. Yeah. No space force. No space force that I'm aware of. <laughs> I put yeah, that I'm caveat a, in there. I'm excited for that. I, <laughs> I've been wanting to it, Keith. I've been wanting to get the uh, no Doctor Who annuals that have been released and get Sean to get those on the schedule and our last bit of news isn't necessarily Doctor Who news it is because the Doctor's going to be Star Wars Doctor spoilers Who tangent <laughs> tangent <laughs> you, you want a spoiler hey, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to completely blow everybody out of the water with this are you ready for this okay so Matt Smith has been cast in episode 9 right yes, yes. that's the spoiler he's Very English good. Therefore, he will be an Imperial. <laughs> oh, we're so surprised. Come on, guys. Really? He's going to be a member of the First Order. I don't know what, he, I don't know what everybody's hoping for. <laughs> He's going to be Skynet. Uh, maybe not. They're going to cross over with Terminator. Wait, Ray's British. Does that mean she's a bad guy? Oh. No, because they have her doing the American accent. No, they don't. No, no they, they don't. don't. No, she's got a British accent, which is why I always and thought Kylo was, has an which American Which is what I've accent. always thought weird. was weird because, uh, yeah, well, Kylo is, yeah, you're right, but he is American. And Boyega is doing an Boyega American accent. Boyega is doing an American, American accent. accent. He is British, so. Which I thought was weird that they went that route, but if you're going well, to let. If you're gonna did let, you hear uh, his justification? There's a there's a clip somewhere where he's describing why he decided to go with an American accent when he auditioned. is because he thought he was being a good guy, not realizing he was <laughs> so a exactly, yeah. and he should yeah. have had a British accent. Well, Sean, Sean says that with, you know, tongue firmly planted in cheek, but that's kind of how they did it back in oh, the yeah, yeah. 70s with the first series, is if you were British, you were the bad guys. Yep. If you were American, you were the good guys. Except for Alec Guinness. Except for Alec Guinness. Yes. And James Earl Jones. Although he does sort of a British accent. 
that just comes from hanging out with everybody. I imagine you'd, you'd have to. You just start picking it up. You'd have to lapse accident. into it at some point. <laughs> and then one of your really good friends is there going, don't, don't, don't do that. Stop that. Stop that. <laughs> what is he doing? He sounds as bad as Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> All right. Should we move on to No, feed- that's Dick Van Dyke's real accent. <laughs> should we move on to feedback? No. Because <laughs> there is no feedback. Way to commit. I'm proud of you on that if, one. If people wanted to send us feedback, what would they do? They would go to our website, travelingthevortex.com, and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab. Or you can send it directly to feedback at travelingthevortex.com. Sean, if they wanted to give us money, what do they do? They can go to our website and click on the Patreon link. Or they can go to patreon.com and look up Traveling the Vortex, because we are listed there, and we will happily... Happily, I say, accept their kind donation to keep this podcast on the air. Absolutely. Thank you very much. All right. Well, let's move on to our review. What are we reviewing this week? It's been so long now, I forgot. The Lost Skin. Oh, yeah. Finally. <laughs> Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart is on leave in New York, but in Scotland, the word reaches the Fifth Operational Corps that Harold Chorley, journalist and pain in Lethbridge Stewart's rear, has gotten wind of the corpse presence in Sterling. A plan is set in motion to take Corley Corley on a wild goose chase to John O'Groats as far from the core as possible. RSM Samson Ware and Professor Travers travel to the edge of Scotland, leaving a trail of breadcrumbs, (laughs) (laughs) which are picked up by Chorley and his old chum, Larry Green. But soon it becomes clear that there is a real mystery in John O'Groats, a strange link between Mahari Doctory, a woman from Huna, and the Orkney Islands, and the local legend of the Selkie. To protect Mahari, Samson needs to sideline Chorley and Green, but the ever-erratic Professor Travers has other plans. What is drawing Mahari to the Orkney Islands? What hold... Does Chorley have over Green? And more importantly, what links Chorley and Green to the secret history of Mahari? Bum, bum, bum. I feel like the answer to that last one is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I really, 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 really like this. I really, really, really like the conclusion. I've made no secret of the fact that I liked the first two installments when they came out is uh, uh, stories in the Havoc Files books. Um, and the re- the resolution of this to me does not disappoint. Uh, I'm, I'm very glad that Andy decided to kind of rework the uh, story. Although there's not a lot different, but there's some differences. It's just more of a reorganization. It, of it the really story. is because some of the uh, the uh, revelations we get between uh, Harold and and Larry are pushed kind of towards the end of the book. Um, more but, towards the climax. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and actually almost more organically works there as well, especially yeah. the situation that they end up getting into. Um, I did like the bait and switch. Oh, I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but the bait and switch of... Uh, when, Do, when, should we sound the spoiler horn? Or? <laughs> when we last ended in the Havoc Files, uh, Larry... No, not Larry. Charlie had been uh, knocked out. Sucker punched. And we assumed, we assumed, I think, that it was... Uh, Mari's husband, uh, Mr. Doherty, but come to find out it's Samson that had punched him, and it really was just kind of a misunderstanding. Which he was, thought it was the husband. Which it was a, that was a shock, and I really kind of liked that because it was something that I didn't expect to come. Um, although, <laughs> to be fair, we did get a page uh, uh, 
preview. sent to us, previewed to us, <laughs> explaining why that it was Sam Samson, but didn't tell us why it was Samson. Yeah. So that was nice to yeah. to find out the resolution for that. Um, to find out what exactly had happened to Bishop, because at the end of the third or the second part in in books, we didn't know. It, well, well, obviously we knew Bishop was going to survive because <laughs> it goes on in books right. later. I was still concerned. We didn't know what had happened to him or. Um, what I really was surprised to find out is the, uh, and, and you guys remind me if this has been addressed later in the books, but Tim, we don't know what happened to Tim. We still don't He know. got taken back to uh, uh, presumably the vault and right. something happened to him, but we don't know what that is. So just, I kind of liked that being left out there too if, if they choose to address that later. I felt really bad for Tim and I oh, felt yeah. ba- equally bad for and who kind of wrapped him into this whole thing to get the information, or try to get the information about what they did. And then the fact that she barely got any information, anyways. Yeah. And that it was all oh, for she, it she, was all for naught. Yeah, and and of course now knowing what happens to Professor Travers, and and that's all kind of divulged, you know, later as to why Gore right. needed him, uh, and why they were doing ultimately doing the experiments. They kind of put it under the guise of trying to. Uh, control the Yeti through the sentient uh, information from the great intelligence that was left in him. But uh, we find out, obviously, later that he was going to be used as a portal. So, yeah. um, so you know, that was nice little retroactive uh, storytelling there. Um, it was kind of a hard gear shift for me getting <laughs> into a we-know-nothing-about-gore mindset. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it was kind of odd to you know, show up and, you know... Oh yeah, and then, then the nice little hints of who he's supposed to be before we yeah. know who he actually is. Well, I think another like slam into uh, reverse was that, uh, and, and obviously we had read. Uh, well, I, I think he was still alive at this point when we were reading the first two chapter or first two episodes of this in the Havoc Files. But to have Professor Travers back again, even though we've read things yeah. with him since, but they've always been kind of the it's the the retroactive one that got pulled back through time and traveled with yeah. you know H.G. Right. Wells. Um, but to have him back in this world at this time was a bit, oh, wow, yeah, I forgot about uh, uh, Professor Travers and, and, oh, his ultimate demise that'll, that'll, that's coming. And, and and his recognition that what's going on with him is not actually dementia, that it's the intelligence. Part of it is he does acknowledge that part of it is age, but m- yeah. most of it is from, from the intelligence. Which was a yeah. really nice thing for yeah. them to tackle. And I like the fact that him and Mari got a, uh, uh, had that moment on the boat when they were going over to the island to uh, find the lost skin. Uh, they had that moment where he kind of helps her uh recognize that you know she she's not crazy this pool you know that she's going to that she's obviously has this block in her life of memory loss and not knowing what where she's from or anything and to, for her to be able to turn around and give him someone to talk to and confide in too i thought that was a neat little yeah. moment between the two uh when he finally divulges that he understands that you know, pieces are missing, and and it's as a result of the intelligence. I thought that was pretty neat. I'm kind of uh, taking up all the conversation here, so just jump <laughs> in whenever you guys want. Check, check, and I check. just I just yeah. loved all of it. I, I but I will say, and I, I pointed this out. In my Goodreads, uh, my the only thing that I felt I I didn't even dislike it is just I thought that it felt a little too rushed to the finish line, and I think maybe by putting the backstories both backstories in the same chapter maybe yeah. waited it a little too much that I, I i hate to use the the word 
the info dump at the end because they weren't it wasn't really at the end end but it felt like an to, info to, dump to have the the Mari backstory kind of dumped on us and the Larry and Harry uh, backstory dumped on us again I'm glad that, that that Andy shifted that to later in the book especially because when they they're confronted by uh, Doherty they get the you really get that 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 emotional punch for Harold and the reason why Larry and him have that relationship that they have and you really kind of the first time I read this I really felt that Larry was the one that attacked the dad and that Harry Harold was hiding his secret all these years and that's what he was holding over his head to make sure I read it right this time even yeah and to to come back and find out that it was that was that was Harry that did it and blames Larry for it I thought was an interesting kind of change or or turnaround for me in my mindset of how I expected things were going to play out so I liked it I just I felt like those two at the end felt like kind of a quick rush to the finish line and again that's the only only it's not even a detriment to the story because it's still really good it's just I felt that they that was a little heavy-handed there towards the end but uh, I can't say any other bad things about it because I really really enjoyed it it was really good. It was really well done. And I went and I just went ahead and started over. I just went ahead and read the whole thing oh, yeah. instead oh, yeah, of trying I to did. figure out where well, I left off. That's because... just it. I, I read the whole thing because knowing it had been restructured a bit. And, and there, it drops in some new stuff that wasn't in, in the original series, in the original episode. And one of the things that I think this really benefits from being released now, it's retrospective. But there were a lot of just little tie-ins, even though the adventure itself is set during all the way back. You have to go back to Times Squared. Yeah, um, because mm-hmm. uh, Lethbridge Stewart and uh, Sally are still together and over in the U.S. Yeah, but um, there's a lot of stuff that we have come to find out since then that is still kind of sprinkled in to this one. And some of it is, is just name drops, like when uh, Gore is talking to uh, um, Anne... And he makes the offhand comment of, oh, remind me to check on Simon and see how he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was, you know, because that's going on right, <laughs> right now. Right, Or, uh, you know, just 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 a bunch of little things. The Travers stuff with the great intelligence, which I can't help but think I was involved with that one a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Taking credit for it, even if I wasn't. Um, so there's just, just peppered with, uh, with those kind of things. But what really struck me is... Between parts one and two, I really still didn't feel that this was Chorley's story. Until he's, this he's, time. He's in it. Yeah. But yeah, the, the the main thrust is the Selkie and the, you know, it's kind of like, hey, we've got the entire fifth except for Lethbridge Stewart and Evans. <laughs> They're like the only <laughs> character in Sally. They're the only ones that aren't showing up in this story so far. Everybody else has to I mean, even, so. even Bartlett gets a mention. Yeah. <laughs> of course, he had the first be, time. Be, so. Before, you know, that before, happened. Hmm, yeah. Before uh, his untimely death. Well, I don't know about untimely. Hey, before his death. <laughs> So, you know, going and and having this one restructured and then all of a sudden getting this, oh, and it, for me, it, it, it did turn when we get to that moment and McGregor has the shotgun and McGregor or, um, uh, the guy, the husband, the husband, Doherty. Doherty. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 
McGregor. <laughs> so where did he come from? You know, the, the, the bad guy. Ewan. Um, he's got the gun, and then it goes off. Well, it doesn't go off. He, sh- he shoots him. He just, shoots him, yeah. He just wham. And all of a sudden, that moment not only brought the weight of the situation crashing down on me, but it really brought the focus of the story into very sharp relief that, oh, this this is not the story I thought I was, you know. I thought we were getting a pretty, quote-unquote, run-of-the-mill monster of the week kind of, right. you know. Yeah. Even though I was enjoying it. I don't want to say run-of-the-mill, but you, you know what I mean. Just that it, it's just another paranormal adventure. And we're going to get this told. But no, it's Charlie's story. Top to bottom, it's Charlie's story. I just didn't see it until now. And it really... It really hit me. Um, that was very emotional, actually, um, at the end of this book. And kind of surprised that Larry's gone. I never, ever thought that... We just we haven't heard of Green in the more recent books. I yeah. just assumed he was out there. And we, you know, we'll we get back to him at some point. Thing, kind of like Charlie. Kind of like, yeah. But, no, this is the reason we we don't hear from him anymore. Well, there's a, there's a passing reference in something, and I want to say it was The Dreamer's Lament, that didn't confirm that he was dead or still alive i i think if i'm remembering right maybe it was another book or maybe i'm even thinking post or pre this but it, it, there were there was a passing reference to him i, I must have been Re- dreams of Relent, Re- Re- lament because charlie was in that one as well because he's the one that goes through with uh lethbridge stewart to mm-hmm. the uh initially and that i that was the one time that keyed into me that Larry hasn't been around. We haven't done anything with him. So I was like you when I read this. I went, okay, this makes sense. Why right. we haven't heard from Larry uh, since, you know, well, whatever the last full story he would have been in was, uh, can't even remember now. Uh, let's see. He wasn't in Dominators. He was in the. Uh, he was. He had the talk show on. Uh, what was the one? The uh, the showstoppers. The showstoppers. He still had the talk show for that. Although that ends up being a Charlie story as well, but it, I think it's it's referenced that Larry's interviewing somebody. Yeah. Well, isn't Larry interviewing somebody in uh, the Dominators too? The Dominators. He was first uh, in. Uh, well, he was really sure domination. He, no, Larry. No, yeah. Larry goes all the way back to um, uh, Schizoid oh, Earth. Sk- yeah, yeah that right. was Schizoid because Earth. I think they were going to use Harold in Schizoid Earth, and I think it had something to do with they weren't sure the where they were going with going with right. the character, yeah. or they weren't yeah. sure if they had the complete rights to him. Although that would have been. Uh, from uh, Heisman Estate, yeah. anyway. But anyway, there was some reason why they changed Harold because I, I think um, who was the right that wrote that? McEntee, um, McEntee, David McEntee. McEntee. Okay, so yeah. I think originally he wanted to use Harold Charlie, and I think they ended up having to change him with Larry Green. That's how Larry Green was invented. So that was his first book. So, uh, it, regardless, uh, I, there was something that made me wonder why haven't we seen Larry Green and for this to come through as you said and go oh well there you go that's why and it makes sense from when you look at the the through line of the Lethbridge Stewart series we've got a lot of reporters running around because we've got Chorley and we've got Larry and we've got Charlie, Charlie. now coming up yeah. it's kind of like although we realistically don't need all these guys so it makes thing, sense to kind of tidy yeah. that up well that's oh, another yeah. thing that I like liked about this story is the fact that that even though Charlie's a journalist, they've kind of kind of narrowed his scope into a friend of Anne's and doing uh, the memoirs for uh, uh, Professor Travers, even though it seems to be something just to keep him occupied. 
uh, not Charlie, but Professor Travers occupied, they kind of narrow that down to a, this may be his kind of thing is he's more of a, a a documentarian or instead of, yeah. So it kind of, it kind of cleaned up that area of too many reporters. I would agree. The other thing that I was really struck by when we got to the end of this is a very wonderful flip where there, there are all these hidden brothers that run throughout this, that we, we've got Lethbridge Stewart and Gore who are kind of in that weird, you know, pseudo related stage. Well, never mind the fact that it starts with the forgotten son. We've got James um, who, yeah. you know, is, is there. Then we, in order to fix or incorporate twice upon a time, we've got uncle Archie who isn't, the uncle right <laughs> and 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 that kind of thing so there's another level to it at that point and then we've got chorley and and larry kind of having this very similar parallel thing and i i think it's very cool that in chorley's mind he's lethbridge stewart's nemesis he he is yeah, or lethbridge yeah. stewart is his however you right. want to look at it sure. he's he's the arch enemy he's the guy that i've got to get he's he's matched they're obviously they're and, obviously adversaries let's put it yeah. that way yeah and and lethbridge stewart is he's to him charlie is a nuisance right he's he's a mild annoyance which is why i was really kind of surprised even with you keith reading that description we're going to go find the Selkie. That's the adventure we're going on. Oh, and Charlie's here. Well, we're going to misdirect him. We're going to leave him a trail of breadcrumbs to get him off the track. But we're, we're going to go find the Selkie. Only to find out, no, it's Charlie's story. And so I like that Charlie is so obsessed with Lethbridge Stewart and thinking he's the bad guy. He's the guy I got to get. He's the guy I got to outsmart. He's the guy I got to, you know, I really got to get him. Only to find out that they are actually much more similar <laughs> Than oh, what yeah, you'd really—I yeah. mean, they're—they're—they're almost—I don't want to say two sides or two different sides of the same coin, but in a way they are, because Lethbridge Stewart is honorable and upright and and forthwith and and brave and heroic, and Chorley is not any of those things, but yet in a way they are cut from the same cloth, and just the circumstances have made them almost polar opposites, and I thought that was a very clever paralleling of these characters and this thread that has kind of run through this whole. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it, no, it, 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 no, I, I think, think it's, it's a good there. observation. Yeah. I never, I didn't really kind of qualm onto that, but I, that's yeah, good observation. I never thought of that. I think one of the things that that, that jumped out at me was this tragedy that's become Harold Chorley because of his connection or because of his involvement in the London event in uh, the Web of Fear. I think it's interesting that Larry is the one that got him the gig that Larry would have been the one that had gone right. into the underground but Larry thinking that he was doing something good for Harold is the one that he suggests him for the story and he ends up Harold ends up going and that ultimately sets off the, the demise of Harold Charlie and Larry Green is indirectly responsible for that <laughs> when he was only trying to help him you know, advance his career and yeah. do better, and 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 it just—I thought that was an interesting dynamic there. That 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 Larry really is responsible for, uh, indirectly responsible because he thought he was doing a good thing. It's not like he did it out of malice or anything, but um, responsible for <laughs> Harry's de- Harold's decline, which I thought was interesting. That Charlie's decline. 
but so that was a that was a unique revelation for me that I was like, oh wow, this guy who's continually trying to reconnect with his brother to you know to 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 patterns himself after him in order to try to get close to him, and then indirectly is the reason why Shirley ends up the way he is or or what and the the chain of events that lead to uh, where we're at at this point yeah. with Shirley, yeah. It's very tragic. And I liked how we got a glimmer of hope with the family at the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, kind of gave Chorley a, 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 a happy Christmas, which, again, ties back into the Christmas story yeah. where we've touched on every character. Except, except for Harold Chorley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we it's, get that result. You know, it's funny, though. I think at one time, and maybe this is, maybe this is, this might be serendipitous or this might be maybe influential. But uh, I think we mentioned how we really liked that story and how it had everybody involved, except for we kind of wanted Chorley there because he feels like part of the family. And it's almost like that was kind of, hmm, okay, let's. (laughs) (laughs) This was Chorley's version. This is what happened to Chorley that Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And now I have to remember because up, up to this point where this story is set, we've had Chorley in. Obviously, Web of Fear. Uh, we've had him in uh, Dominators. Yeah, um, mutually assured, mutually assured domination. domination. And we've had him in Showstoppers. Yes, and we had him in Dreamer's Lament. And then Dreamer's well, Lament would be after. Post this, yeah. So that's the only one, Well, really, and the funny it? thing is we noticed a marked change in Chorley, uh, which I don't... Well, he was I in don't... the Schizoid Earth. Oh, that's right. He was in Schizoid. He was in Schizoid? He just had a different role. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. He was. Um, but, uh, well, he's only, he's not actually in it. Showstoppers. It's, it's and then. He's grandpa- mentioned it. That could be. He's mentioned And then Grandfather yeah. Infestation. Yeah, he was, he was oh, yeah, investigating the, uh, the, the, the pods. pods. Yeah. Uh, but when, in all the early ones, Charlie is Charlie. Yeah. He, he, he's, he's still slightly wacky, demented. <laughs> And and blames Lethbridge Stewart for it all the way up through Grandfather Infestation, but when he comes back in Dreamer's Lament, he is different. He's he's a slightly different version of Harold Chorley. He doesn't seem like he's as on the edge, and I love that this explains why. Yeah, that it's just that little coda at the end that by dealing with Larry and reconnecting with his family that maybe that started the healing process and that he's not the lonely drunk hanging yeah. out in his flat. Well, and it, him, you, know? you know, he and, in Lethbridge Stewart, I mean, almost because they have to, but they, they, they end up being tolerable now at yeah. this point, you know, and, and it is Lethbridge Stewart that reaches out to him in order to, well, after, Charlie's been trailing him or trying to get some information from him. He does reach out to him to to help him with this somewhat, indirectly help him with, yeah. with the situation that they've got uh, going on uh, at the Triangle. But, yeah, I, I, I agree. There's a, there's a marked change in Charlie that what, until now really wasn't uh, – Explain. We we say Mark change. I mean, he's still got very much well, the characteristic Charlie, of Charlie. Yeah. yeah, but he he does. He is a different. He has a different air to him, and I, I think that that this kind of fills fills in that gap of of why. So that was pretty cool. I also like the Selkie storyline of I did of too. That alien mystery and 
Travers' insistence that it's an alien the entire time, and then the fact that he's actually right, and then the turn of well, the you know, yes and the, no, they they he, they leave it they leave it ambiguous enough that that's what you assume is the case, but isn't necessarily. It's not outwardly said they were aliens that because they'd been there for so long that right. you know it, yeah. it, it's but yes you're 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 certainly right it he does val it does validate him somewhat well and then the fact that she gets to decide what she wants after everything said yeah, I thought done. that was interesting that the, that we went down that rope because I thought it, it's interesting she had that pull to find this. You know, look at which I completely thought they were really going to find some skin somewhere that she was going to have to put back on, and I thought this is kind of be weird, interesting. We'll see where this goes, and for it to be a a definite setup so that she would be called back to there because they've been searching for her for so long. I thought that was a neat ruse too. Of oh wow, this is this went a completely different direction than I thought it would. Almost anticlimactic, not not necessarily in a bad way, but that. It takes Travers and Samson and Charlie and, the you know, they all have to come and convince her. Well, you felt the pull. Let's go to the island and look. All you got to do is get on a boat. It's over there. Okay, so we get on the boat and go over there. And there is no grand unearthing of the tomb. And, you know, it, it, just, it kind of felt like that's where we were going with it, that, that we had to find the skin. And it turns out, no, it's a beacon, and we put it here, and we've just been waiting for 16 years for you to show up. Yeah. It was over there, lady. <laughs> <laughs> just across the just, sea. You could yeah. see it from here. <laughs> it was over there. So I, in that regard, it's kind of like, huh. But that again, that's my one little niggling complaint that it's yeah, well, had it still so, satisfied. Had it been some earth-threatening thing, that would have... Yeah, that would have been too much. I yeah, didn't want that. So the but, fact that it was such a small... it. It would have, you know, united these two people, these two species of people, or however they described it. And then the fact that they were united anyways without this marriage, that was, that's, it's just subdued of a, not plot, but, you know, of stakes enough that the reveal fits in with that. Yeah. And I love the fact that Travers is so frequently portrayed as kind of the doddering professor. That he, he, you know, he wears the threadborn suit and uh, and everything. But it, it's not until you kind of put his credentials out there that he, uh, oh yeah, he did discover Yeti. He did prove aliens. He did, dis- you know, he's got a, a proven track record of being right. And then he goes into this and was right. Yeah. And it's like he really, you know, he, he knows his stuff. We just kind of think of him as the the doddering old fool. And so I really, he's seen, I mean, the firsthand in the flaming soldier, he was the one that came in as the expert on the uh, ship that was. Yeah. So, yeah. And, um, I like the fact that this kind of put that, that official capstone on, you know, on his career. And then as you said, you know, he's, he can put diplomat on there too. Oh, well, no, we have to have the marriage because otherwise we'll go back to being more. (laughs) <laughs> balderdash or whatever it was that, <laughs> well, and I never thought of Travers as overly progressive of a character but for that time period this would have and for him this would have been a very progressive thinking yeah and it's funny how much of that doesn't really come back in his home life right Travers is very progressive out in the world dealing with science dealing with facts dealing with this but his home life the the 
pages of it that we get all seem to be the wife should stay at home with the the family and See, I, dis- he, 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 I, I think dis- he comes across I that disagree way. because I think that that there there is an inherent part of him that maybe because of the the era and his age maybe sort of has that deep inside and feels that way on the other hand he's very respectful of Anne, who's doing something that not a lot of women were doing at that time as well and very supportive of her yeah, so true. i think he has a progressive attitude in that sense as well because he's very supportive of her i think where where he has more of that old-fashioned attitude is in the people's portrayal of him on how he should act and how and i think he has kind of an old-time attitude as far as that goes and i think that comes across but i think as far as i think we have the evidence of Anne and her success and his his encouragement of it is something that has shown me all along that he has a bit of a progressive side to him anyway. Ah, but how much of that is because he feels guilty that he wasn't there and he was off globetrotting and... Well, it certainly could be some of it, but... So now, I, now, now, now never, he's trying to make at amends least, for at it. At least it's never been... At least it's never been telegraphed that way. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's just, a, it's just an impression that I get of him. But I enjoyed him in this immensely. I think one of the characters that had a surprising change for me from the first time I read the first two parts to now is uh, Catriona. I got the impression reading these the first time that Catriona was going to be that one that was the, the yeah, she first of all believed uh, Mari that, that maybe bought into the Selkie story a little more than, than, than the locals did or the, than anybody else would have. Um, and she seemed very intent on making sure that he she was protecting Mari from, yeah. from Mr. Doherty. But it, I was quite surprised when she becomes the dissenting uh, voice of letting her go across. Even though I think he she she expresses to Charlie that she that she needs to get away from Doherty because he's abusive. So she recognizes that she's a good friend in that way. But I thought I just I just something to me thought she would be very much for her going out and seeking this destiny or this pull that she had, and for her to turn around and say no, this is foolish. Uh, I thought that I was, was an interesting surprised. twist for me, yeah. and I liked that. I thought that I was cool too. because it, it 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 made me realized that I established something in a character that wasn't necessarily in that character. Mm-hmm. And I, I like when, mm-hmm. when authors are able to do that to me. Nor did she wind up being the, aha, uh-huh, I'm actually the one that told everybody that. Yes. Which, which is the other way. That was the gone. interesting. Well, the other interesting thing is the fact that the, the gal at the, uh, at the end is the one that's been planting this seed because she recognized Mari at one point and felt that that's probably who this was. And so she's been kind of perpetrating this this rumor so that it would get back to Mari in some way that she would eventually go there. And she, in fact, I, I fully believe now that she knew that because Samson was looking for her, I think she and she confided more in Samson than she did just the local legend. She mm-hmm. kind of went a little further. Mm-hmm. I think that was her way of saying, I think maybe now I have found somebody that can help her. And so he gives her just he she gives him just a little bit more so that he she puts them on that path and I think she almost kind of alludes to that when she ends up showing up there yeah. at the end but yeah, uh, I thought that knows. was neat too that some 
person that I had no idea was going to have any more to do with this story shows up later. And we find out that, yeah, she was actually and she couldn't approach Mari because she knew that if she'd come to her with this full blown story, that it would have seemed absurd and and she never would have. Yeah. yeah. Here's an idea. Hey, Mari, let's go for a ride in a boat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think also I think it was very well said that. Uh, Doherty really had a clamp down yeah, on that, especially, and I think yeah. a lot of people were afraid of that. Um, also, the uh, the when uh, uh, Mari leaves and Catriona, she's afraid for Catriona that Doherty will go there to her, but then she says, "But her husband, you know, is is." will protect her only to find out that Doherty actually kind of beat the heck out of the, <laughs> the husband when he did go over there yeah. to find uh, Mari. So I thought that was interesting too, that uh, he wasn't as much of a <laughs> defense for her as, as we thought he might be. Luckily, uh, well, not so much fortunately for Larry, but luckily uh, Larry and Charlie do show up when they do because yeah. it might have been even worse for that guy, so. Anyway, great, great, great story, great conclusion. I'm very much pleased, and I I gave this five stars on Goodreads, which I really do. But the, there was just so many boxes that it that I was able to tick for the yeah, this deserves what it's getting from me on the uh, reviews. So, very much so. I would agree. Good. Another good one. All right, let's move on to our other review, which is one that we probably should have done when we did the uh, Lethbridge Stewart quiz book, but neglected to do. <laughs> Which is cow pats and comfort. I don't have a synopsis. Oh, good. Tim Grimble. Right. Well, yeah, Tim Grimble. <laughs> uh, this was an interesting little side story. Uh, there's not a lot to it ultimately when you get to the resolution of it, but I really liked being able to go back to um, Bladeau and get a little bit more insight on the Bladeau cadets. I mean, it's just it's, yeah. it's small. Uh, to find out about Smithy, who was one of the previous cadet uh, people. And uh, just the fact that, you know, Lethbridge Stewart is called there to help this, you know, uh, was it was he going back to help Henry with, was it Henry? Who was it that called him back? It wasn't Ray. It, was, it must have been Henry. They called him back to, you know, help with a situation that they're having, which ultimately ties into the fact that the uh, um, the fifth was getting signals from this area anyway, mm-hmm. so it kind of benefited both parties for him to go there uh, and, and check this out. But I thought it was I, I this is one of those stories I thought was going to go somewhere completely different than it oh planned. yeah, and it really surprised me, um, especially when somebody <laughs> mentions that the teddy bear that he's holding almost looks more like a robot. And I thought, what? How, why would somebody think that a teddy bear looks like a robot? But I thought they did a really good job of explaining about the material that it's made of and mm-hmm. why it would give somebody the impression that it's a stuffed animal and somebody else an impression that it looks kind of like a robot. Yeah. And, of course, I couldn't stop my overactive imagination from immediately leaping to every single conclusion in the Doctor Who canon. It's a Cyberman. It's a Cybermat. It's a, you know... <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a Mini Yeti. Oh, it's a, you know... Just on and on and on and on and on. I had <laughs> sort of suspected that it was tied into the Great Intelligence in some way, some yeah. leftover remnant. Uh, was where my mind went, went, went from it. I think the only thing that this story does, and I, and I quite enjoyed it, but I think the only thing this story does is it made me want to know more about where did this come from? Why was it left behind? Because they do, you know, the, it's, it's a comfort robot, basically, is all it is. 
and uh, what what might have happened if well I think you you get the impression that there might be some malicious intent behind it but ultimately I never got that ultimately well I think because it it wasn't so much when it was taking or not ta- well, I, I say it felt like it was taking over Smithy but it was really kind of just making him think a certain way it wasn't until Anne is affected by it that mm. I kind of felt that maybe there's more to this than just being a comfort, you know, for for somebody that has lost something or someone. Um, but they don't go that road once they once it's destroyed, once it get, ends up getting ripped and the, it's broken, then suddenly there's not there's no repercussions after that. So I I I. I it, the story made me want to know more about where this thing came from, but that was its only downfall, I think, what for me. What was the story where they, they they backtrack everything to the little girl's toy that it turns out it was a gremlin or a gizmo or something, and she made what, it was like a wishing doll, and she'd made a very innocent thing, and so it altered, like, the entire course of the universe, and they had to backtrack it and go back in time and prevent her from making that. I'm not making this up. I think it was a 10th or 11th Doctor. It might have been a comic. It might have been a short. It was something that we have reviewed. Not ringing a bell? No. Nope. Okay. Um, this reminded me of that a little bit. Just that it's it's seemingly this huge impact. I agree with you. I, I thought there was maybe a little malicious intent that it was in, you know... It's either affecting him. This is what's caused him to lose his marbles, or this is what's you know, it, it's just waiting. It's just lurking before it. Oh, now it's got Lethbridge Stewart. Now it's going to ensnare him. And it turns out, no, it's just a, you know, it's a, a device of alien design. That's oh, you you feel bad here. Take the teddy bear. It's going to make you feel better. Right, right. And that's it. Yeah. And that's, that's very much it. it. Um, and so I liked the fact that it had that nefarious undercurrent that really turned out not turns to be out not to be yeah. It, yeah. yeah um i like the fact that uh we we get the the flashback to young lethbridge stewart who gets you know alienated from the blood cadets during the trivia contest but ultimately ends up helping them <laughs> and giving them yeah. the answer for the last question in order to be celebrated as a hero, even though not you're still not a Blood cadet, but <laughs> it, it, being celebrated for it, and then to turn that around and at the very end have them back at the pub and getting ready to take a, a, a part, all of them, the you know the even even Anne and, and Bishop and everybody, or not Bishop was Bishop even there? I don't think he was even there. It was so. it was Anne and that guy that was well, no Bishop was there, but he was there the guy that was carrying around. The, the detector on his back. And oh, yeah. I like that the that Lethbridge Stewart acknowledged the fact that he recognized the guy must be exhausted from carrying this route. But anyway, to come back to the at the end and have that that moment in there where they're getting ready to do the quiz uh, at, at Harry's bar, I thought that or a pub, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Bring that back around. It's kind of a heartbreaking story. With all the sorrow and the guy and Smithy trying to find comfort in this doll and it's making him feel better because of what it is. But the fact that he's going through all this and then the fact that it's then starting to affect our main characters because of all the heartbreak they've gone through. Yeah. It, it is yeah. kind of a kind of a sad story. It really is. It's, it, it, it's, it tugs at the heartstrings a bit. Oh, Which I, is I, really I, impressive that it can do that in such a short amount of patience. Yeah, it sure does. Another thing I think that made that leaned towards the fact that it might be 
something of malicious intent is that it seemed to me that it was forcing Smithy to make that robot or that that big the the big tin man, uh, but really was only just a statue in honor of his father. I thought, oh right. wow, okay. So <laughs> I, I, I totally mis- totally misread that one. It's not where I thought they were going with that. So that we, that just was another element that that keyed into that as well. Stone like, Rose. Stone Rose. That they encounter the when the the tenth Doctor and Rose wind up back in uh, Roman times, and they encounter that very contemporary woman there, who's the yeah uh, I remember serving the story. Girl. And then when they go back to the twenty first century, uh, the creature in the box is a genie, genetically oh, engineered right, neural right. imagination. Yeah, that's engine. right. That was okay. the pro- yeah. I probably that part I, of the story. I blocked that out yeah. because I thought that. Might. Well, that's the part of the story I liked. <laughs> the rest of it was it. the rest of it. I thought was fine. That was the part I thought. Uh, was you could dumb. have done a whole story about the genie. That to me was interesting. <laughs> the rest that's of the right. stuff yeah, was kind of terrible. That yeah. But that's that's kind of what this comfort doll reminded me of was just something that sorry i I had to find that (laughs) anything else about this one that so uh, there's nothing to the story's fault but now i can't think of this story without imagining bebo from legends of tomorrow there's uh in this most recent season they wound up there's this blue talking furby-like doll that they've created <laughs> that Vikings wind up worshipping as the <laughs> god of war. <laughs> and then it becomes this huge plot point in the season finale. But it literally is Spoilers. basically <laughs> uh, kind of a... Com- it's a modern toy, but it's a comfort bot that's... Oh, God, that's terrifying. Oh, I, can't, terrifying. I can't help but think of this thing now. because it's terrifying. I, 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 it's I, kind of a bear-like creature, but a robot at the same time. I thought of Teddy from AI. Okay, well, I can that, see that's that. That's kind of you know, Teddy Ruxpin. <laughs> kind of... I just imagined a metallic-looking bear. <laughs> I kept saying it was a teddy bear, and then somebody said it looked like a robot. And I said, okay, it was a metallic-looking teddy bear. All right. I do like the fact that everybody gets to have a pub trivia thing at the end it's kind of like yeah th- th- this is a group that probably doesn't hang out together no much. and probably doesn't get a lot of no. downtime so. yeah yeah uh-huh i see what you did uh, yeah every time i say downtime i'm not alluding yes you are <laughs> okay maybe sometimes <laughs> all right maybe a little bit all right sean what do we got coming up on the schedule <laughs> uh i shouldn't have closed that should i uh coming up nope. on the schedule next week we are journeying back to the fourth doctor era with some big finish we're going to tackle the reboot uh it's the third series third third series yes third series uh, of the uh, fourth Fourth doctor Doctor Adventures. adventures number one the king of sontar and number two white ghosts and these are both with leela if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. uh so you can tune in and get our Reviews on those stories. Be excited to hear some more Fourth Doctor and Leela because we kind of stepped away from that to do some Romana for a while. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very good. All right, don't forget you can hear us on uh, Apple Podcasts on the uh, Google Play Music Store on their podcast uh, engine. We're also available on Stitcher. You can listen to us on TuneIn and Player FM. Anything else we need to touch on this week to, before we close this show? Don't believe so. I don't think so. All right. Well, if that's going to do it for this time, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex, 
Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.